Hello, and welcome to Rescuing Churches with Stan and Josh Gibbons. This is the official podcast of 614 Ministries, where we exist to renew vision and restore hope at struggling churches across the country. With over 80% of churches in decline and 1,500 pastors a month battling depression, we strive to equip members and encourage ministers to pursue new directions of stability and growth. 614 Ministries is a 501c3 nonprofit organization based in Mobile, Alabama. Yes, and welcome to Rescuing Churches, the official podcast of 614 Ministries. I'm your host, Josh Givens, and as always, I'm joined by 614 Ministries founder and executive director, my father, Stan Givens. So tell me a little bit about your calling to ministry, a calling that I've heard half a million times, but our listeners probably haven't. <laughs> when did you first get saved, and what was that like for you? Well, I was saved in the second grade at uh, Greystone Christian School here in Mobile, Alabama, and my second grade teacher, Myrna Locke, uh, led me to Christ. I had attended a chapel where, um, as a second grader, I watched a man do magic tricks with fire and was about two rows away from what he was doing, and it frightened me, <laughs> um, the fire especially. And then he preached a message on the gospel, and um, he he asked if any students wanted to get saved. He invited us to come forward and meet him in a little room off the side of the stage, and a handful of us students in the chapel did so. And he actually sent us back to our teacher to tell her that we wanted to be saved. In other words, he didn't share the gospel with us, um, he connected us with somebody that would be in our world at least for another school year. Hmm. And so um, to this day, I have a connection with Myrna Locke. I write her letters to this day and let her know what all we're doing. She's learned about our ministry here and about all my churches I've served in um, because that lady changed everything for me. She taught me how to invite Christ into my life. And I tell the men at the Mission of Hope and the home, the ladies at the Home of Grace and the ministries I do here in town with rehab um, that I got saved in the second grade and gave up crayons, and, and I'm good now. So, <laughs> so kind of coming out of that experience and getting saved so early, um, you know, and you you went through you know high school and um, you know a, a lot of that part of your life and testimony is um, is on our website if people want to go there and read it. Well, in the middle of all that, when did you kind of first? realized that you wanted to become a pastor? When when was that calling a little evident in your life? My uh, first year of college, I enrolled in engineering school because I loved engineering and had done well with that in my high school. And I clipped some classes and everything was sort of a paved highway. I was working for an engineering firm here in town, and it was really looking like it was going to be just the perfect place for me. Paved highway to good career, successful, uh, good income, and the Lord sort of wrecked all that one Sunday night in church service here at Northside, where I pastor a church now. Um, the founding pastor, David Jones, preached a message that I don't even couldn't even tell you the content of the message nor the passage. I just know that at the end of it, uh, trembling, I came forward and knelt at our altar here in the sanctuary, and... Uh, told him when he asked me what was God speaking to me that God wanted me to be like him, a pastor. And he began to mentor me and disciple me in that. And I dropped out of uh, University of South Alabama and enrolled in 
Southeastern Bible College and spent four years training for ministry at Southeastern. So you did attend a, a, a Bible college. Um, what was your Bible college experience like? Give us a little bit of, of background yeah. on that. Well, and it, I would say, first of all, it blew me away how much there is to know about the Bible that right. your local <laughs> pastor didn't tell you. <laughs> so I was blown away in my first few weeks of class about no, all that. No warning, no warning at all. Fascinated <laughs> by things like that they call doctrine. I didn't know there was a such thing as doctrine um, and the foundations of the faith and fell in love with that. Also had the joy of meeting my wife there and she's from Eastern North Carolina and she attended there and um, I was overwhelmed by her beauty. So of course you were. Yeah. <clears throat> so how long have you been in ministry now and what sort of pastoral venues have you served in so far, just so that our listeners kind of get a little bit of background here. Um, and if you can kind of weave in some in the, in the midst of all that, maybe, maybe even some lessons that you've, that you've learned through, through all that, through your, your years in various ministry venues. Well, some of the, it depends on how you count ministry, but I, I actually, when I told Pastor Jones I wanted to be like him, he immediately had me teaching a senior citizen Sunday school class in the very room we're sitting doing this <laughs> podcast, by the way. Wow. And and uh, and so I was teaching Sunday school um, that very week and cutting grass with him here at the church, um, all the things I still do. And <clears throat> so, so you could say we started ministry there. I went to Bible college. Our Bible college required us to be uh, serving at a local church. We had to find a local church and get plugged into ministry and turn in reports of what we were doing there. So I plugged into uh, Trinity Baptist Church in Inslee. Some of my friends on campus were going there. And uh, and I served there all four years of Bible college. I sort of stick to where I land, and so I stuck with Trinity. And even when uh, when my wife graduated Southeastern, um, we went full-time, part-time youth pastor work at Trinity, and I was the youth pastor there. And that was an inner-city church. It was a white, all-white church in a very uh, black community, and they were struggling with that. So wow. it was a lot of racial tension uh, for the congregation there and a lot of hard uh, places for them to figure out how to minister to the community. Um, so no, no pressure at all starting out yeah, in yeah. ministry there. <laughs> yeah. We had a dynamic youth group, had a great time and, um, they had a youth house a block away in a really bad neighborhood. And, uh, so Annette and I lived in that house and we used to tell them that all the bad guys live in the neighborhood and they go to the rich neighborhoods to rob and steal. So we're good. We're safe here. Um, safe as <clears throat> town. yeah. And so from there, uh, I ended up at uh, Alliance, Vestavia Alliance Church in um, the other end of Birmingham and uh, in Vestavia Hoover area. And I was there for um, seven and a half years. Uh, I came on as a youth pastor and became sort of an assistant and anything else that needs doing. And they had a Christian school there, and the school was all the time needing help with covering classes and substitute teaching and uh, teaching, and eventually I became a teacher in the school and working in the church, and most of my youth group attended that church, so had a youth group of about 40 or 50 people, kids um, that I'm still close with today. So 
that was a great experience, great church. Um, had some challenges in their pastors at times, but it went really, it was a lot of learning experience, good learning experience for me. Hmm. And, af- and after that church, you served in other venues in Birmingham? So, yeah, Shades Mountain Independent Church. Actually, the ch- church school at Shades Mountain bought the school from Alliance and through a weird set of circumstances, I was almost required to move with the school <laughs> to the other church, and uh, so I ended up being in in a Christian school around the corner, uh, and I stayed on as a youth pastor for one year uh, with Alliance and was working in the school at Shades Mountain, and then Shades Mountain needed a college pastor. They realized that their high school, Shades Mountain was a much larger church, uh, 1,200, 1,500 people in attendance, and their high school kids were graduating um, from the high school and from their youth department and not coming back into church work, church world. And so they were trying to find somebody that could reach those high school kids and bring them on. And, and so they hired me as a youth pastor or as a college pastor. And from that point, I, I spent uh, 14 and a half years uh, running in ministry we call Oasis eventually uh, in Birmingham, had a magnificent run there. And uh, had a, saw God do a ton of work and a ton of people, including me, and uh, we got to do mission trips and all kinds of great stuff with Shades Mountain. So, kind of coming out of all of that um, and spending so many years serving in a larger church, you just said twelve hundred, you know, people. Um, when did you first sort of transition to because the the church that you're the lead pastor of now? is a much smaller church. When did you first sort of transition from being part of a large staff, larger scale church life organization to the lead pastor of a small church? And what was that transition like for you? Uh, the year 2000, 1999, um, 98 and 99 at Shades Mountain was real challenging for me. Mm-hmm. The Lord was working in me and uh, as leadership team, uh, up there working with a bunch of great guys. But for the first time in all my years there, at that time, 12 years there, um, I felt uh, pulled and in conflict with some things and some leadership direction. Uh, they'd taken some leadership direction that was really uncomfortable for me. Um, and I wrestled with it. I didn't understand it. And what God was doing was making me miserable enough to look over my shoulder at what the other offers, North Side, the church where. Uh, I serve now the little church, as you mentioned. Uh, Northside had been calling me for about a year and a half because they've been without a pastor. They had an interim that was very comfortable being their interim for as long as they needed, uh, but they didn't have a lead pastor. And so they kept calling me, and I kept telling them to call other guys I knew, call this, call the college, call Pensacola Christian, call Southeastern, call you know all the colleges I could name Tennessee Temple call all these places that you love and they'll they'll find somebody for you Liberty University got plenty of guys um, but they never could find anybody and <clears throat> so they they eventually just uh, continued to reach out to me to the point that I agreed to come and see what the problem was why are you not able to get somebody so I'm right. like you need to show me the packet you're giving them show me the pitch you're giving them let me see how you're interviewing them. And once I saw that, the Lord really broke my heart that it was a, uh, as my home church, but it was a small church that really uh, were sheep without a shepherd. And they had sort of lost their understanding of church life in the midst of 
long-term interim, uh, some challenges and some splits from years past and uh, just kind of hanging on by a thread. Um, was it was it real nostalgic? You, you say it was your home church. Was it kind of nostalgic coming back and getting back into the world of seeing Northside again oh, sure. and, and thinking, four you know. Four or five guys on the board were part of the, right. were, were my Sunday school teachers and youth <laughs> leaders at the time. And, you know, most of the elderly women here, you know, mm-hmm. were women that knew me from when I was a teenager. Right, when, when you were younger. Fifth and sixth and seventh grade. That's, and, that had to be crazy. Right. It's twilight stroll down sure. memory lane. <laughs> yeah, still had one of the ladies that ran the church. We, She was literally like the, the ruler of the church, and it was nothing for her to just come up and pinch me when she didn't like something i did she just pinched me like i was a kid i was all grown up as a even pastor. if you're even if you're the pastor you're that's still right. in trouble that's right um so why did you sort of feel the need to you you've been the lead pastor here of north side now and i know all this because not just because i'm your son but because i just know all of it that you've been the lead pastor here of north side now um since march of 2000 um, and you're almost at that 20 year mark, Mark, um, what sort of inspired you? 614 Ministries, um, is, is about a year old now, but what, what was that original inspiration behind 614? Why did you feel that, that need to start 614 as a church revitalization organization? What's kind of the, the story and the, the calling behind that ministry effort? Mm-hmm. The last eight or ten years, as you well know, um, a lot of churches are in decline. There's cultural issues behind that. There's church issues. There's really bad leadership, really bad ideas uh, in churches behind all that. And for whatever reason, um, a lot of churches, more than 80% of churches in America, are in decline. Um, The life and the people are being sucked out of those churches. And it was a reality for us as a church. Um, as At Northside, we were having a hard time keeping people. We, we maintained the same numbers, but we never could add to our numbers, and we just rotated people in and out. And we read all the book. I read all the books on that. I went to seminars and um, studied like crazy and tried to figure out the revolving back door, and are we not discipling enough? Do we not have enough small groups? Is there not healthy community? There's all the little topics that come up with all that. And at the end of the day, we were doing the very best we could, and most of that stuff we were grading ourselves as at least above average or average, and yet we still were struggling. And and I go to a camp every summer in uh, Georgia, <clears throat> Roberta, Georgia, called Camp Eunice, and it's a camp where a whole bunch of small churches gather their youth for summer camp. And I'm privileged to be one of the pastors that gets to teach there um, for the high school camp. And a lot of pastors bring their kids and stay at camp. It's one of the very unique camps where the ministers actually are on campus with their kids. And we sit up at night in this, uh, you'd have to see it all, but it's in this little cafeteria room uh, where the couches are in the back of it. And we just sit there and talk a lot of times. And for eight or ten years now, talking with those other pastors, I could sense in them the same thing I'm struggling with. We're doing all we know to do, and we just can't get ahead of the curve. And there are some churches that are knocking them dead, and there's these new startup churches that start off in, you know, they're in shopping centers or wherever they start. You know, somebody's 
basement or whatever, and the next thing you know, it's running 500, and we can't figure out how to get over 75. And and I'm listening to those guys battle the same thing. They're in rural areas, some of them, some of them are in cities, and they're battling the exact same problems that I am. And so we began to have those dialogues, and that probably was the inspiration for me to want to be an encourager to those guys. I, I wanted to be one of the fellow pastors that could speak hope and endurance into those guys. And um, and at the same time, we just needed to, sometimes you just need to sit around and laugh, which we do a lot. <laughs> Definitely. We'll have a bunch of those guys on the podcast. Uh, one of them's on our board, um, but I'm still friends with all of them. And, and so we'll spend some time with them. But we, we would just sit around and tell stories. And sometimes you just need to tell stories about the crazy things that happened in the church, either crazy things you did or crazy things your members have done to you. And, you know, you can. it's like showing each other your scars. Hey, I got shot right here by somebody. Where'd you get shot? Oh, I got shot here. So we have that great conversation. And I began to see the need for pastors to have somebody to stand alongside them and say, we're going to get through this together. And then on top of that, I began reading the statistics and all the data and trying to figure out how to revitalize, how to strengthen a church that's declining. You start reading all that, and you see the numbers are ridiculous. Mm. Um, you have some of the stats there. You might read some of the stats to the folks. But the numbers are ridiculous about how many pastors are giving up and quitting in a Absolutely. year's time or a week's time or a month's time, how many churches are closing their doors. Um, all of that's just the numbers are high, and that breaks my heart. I love Love, love the local church, and I want to see the church thrive and survive. It's the bride of Christ. Uh, he loved it enough to die for it. We should love it enough to figure out how to help it and how to get through it, how to get through the hard times, and how to keep doing what we're called to do. Absolutely. And with, like we said, with the, our ministry kind of being, um, you know, at, at that one-year mark, we've seen God do some incredible things already. Um, we were talking about this earlier, um, you know, just some of the things, the, the conferences and the seminars that we've been able to be a part of, um, you know, we've counseled some local pastors and, um, what has all of that been like for you and where do you kind of hope to see the ministry go in the future? Um, you know, if you, if you could just kind of say a few words about, you know, the experiences that we've had so far. Yeah, well, you know, initially you're just encouraging churches. I, I remember taking the vision of 614 um, and trying to figure out what to do with it. And there's a couple of scripture verses even um, that, you know, 614 is, is founded on. A lot of people may not even know that. What are the two scripture verses behind yeah, the, our organization? The, the one that comes to mind initially is the Nehemiah passage where Nehemiah is rebuilding the wall. And at one point he says, come let us rebuild so mm -hmm. that we're no longer reproach." Right. Israel had become a reproach because their city and the city walls and the temple were destroyed and people were mocking them. And so my heart's desire is that the church not be mocked for its failures. Um, <clears throat> and I remember taking that vision um, and trying to figure out what to do with it. Um, my wife, your mother, mm -hmm. um, said, you know, <clears throat> why don't you just go talk to some guys about it that, you know, might could help. And... I got the same counsel from two or three of my mentors here in town, older pastors that I ran it by. And the first question I asked them was, I need to tell you something the Lord's laid on my heart, the ministry designed for 614. 
Does that sound crazy to you? Because it does sound a little weird to me. And why did you call it 614? 614 is my life verse, Galatians 614. God forbid that I should boast save in the cross of Christ. Um, And I believe, if anybody's heard any of my teachings, I believe the cross is central to everything we do, and we're supposed to lift up the cross in every way possible. It's the all, only all, reason. all available online, by the way, at northsidemobile.org. Shameless plug for, <laughs> there you go. for all of the sermon audio. Lots of sermons on that on that page. <clears throat> and we'll get some more uh, things up on our podcast here as well. So but that that verse was has been my life verse for a long time. Um, I have other verses that are my calling verses. Uh, Paul tells Timothy to be strong in the grace and the things you've seen in me doing others and that discipleship calling is a big part of my calling as well to to raise up men who will follow the Lord and stick with them and serve. Um, and I feel led to do a bunch of that, but at the end of the day, um, I took the vision and drove to Birmingham where I had a lot of friends that I've stayed in touch with over the years. Most of them attached to shades mountain, um, independent, and I met with a couple of guys. I had probably four lunches that day, four meetings that day at lunch places, and met with the guys. And instead of them going, eh, they were all like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And within wow. a day, the whole ministry sort of formed. And actually, what I had envisioned in a small way, they blossomed into something way bigger. Way and, bigger. I remember. And uh, and they all agreed to be part of the board. And you can look on our webpage and see the board yep. members. All the guys. Um, and so it's turned into a, a really beautiful thing that God's done, and we're a year into it. We've been able to go to uh, Macon, Georgia, with Pastor Paul Jettle, one of great friends at a magnificently beautiful church that he has, uh, Lake Wildwood Baptist, and we did a, a sort of a pastor's revival in the morning sessions. And so uh, very encouraged by that. Uh, we had a great week there with him, and that gave us some connections to some pastors in Mississippi and further into Georgia, uh, which we're reaching out to even this last month. We had a couple of those reach out to us to get some help. So I'm, I'm blessed to be a part of that. And we spent some time at uh, Pastor uh, Archie Pennington's church in <clears throat> Georgia. Not McDonough, but um, it's right outside of McDonough. Right outside of McDonough. Yeah. Um, but we spent, spent time with him at his church and did a relationship seminar, got to teach there and, and meet Pastor Cecilio and the Latino church Latino that church. borrows his sanctuary when they're done. That, that was, was a that magnificent was a great, day. Great event. So I've never been prayed for that hard by a group of people in my life. It was and a really good event. I'll never forget that day. So really yeah. awesome. Great pictures of that all over our social yeah. media too. So And we've got some churches here. There's a startup church here a few miles away from where we're sitting um, with a young man that's had a vision to start a church. And so we're... Trying to encourage him and help him. And what are some events and future events you have on the calendar and um, some ideas that you have that you have planned, you know, uh, kind of upcoming? I know that, you know, just just from my role as, you know, running a lot of the web stuff and and social media stuff that we have, um, you know, you're going to be speaking at a men's retreat coming up soon um and we're, we're doing a um a reunion for some of the oasis students who you mentioned earlier 
Um, those are our, kind of our two big 614 events. You know, we're, we're attending some conferences and seminars and stuff where we're going to get some training and learning ourselves. But kind of kind of tell us a little bit about that. Well, January, know. we've got Top Shots. Mm-hmm. Um, January the 24th and 5th. 24th and 25th. That's our men's retreat. We're men's retreat in, uh, at Camp Eunice in Georgia. Uh, uh, Matt Rutland's church leads that, and uh, he just asked me to speak there again this year. So you kind of have a heart for doing men's discipleship. Yeah, we love that very much, and so we're gonna we're gonna do some messages that talk about the the role model as men we're supposed to be for the next generation, and I'm awesome. put some pretty hard challenges there uh, out. It's just a two session deal. You you come in on a Friday night. Uh, we'll have a meal together. We'll have a chapel session. And then the next morning we'll have breakfast and a chapel session, and you're free to go. So it's not a long duration deal; it's a one nighter. And um, and then on the heels of that, uh, we're going to go on to Birmingham and do the Oasis uh, reunion. A bunch of the families that used to be kids in my <laughs> ministry—they're um, all families now. Uh, we've been trying to put this together for a couple of three years now. Several people have asked, "Could we just all get back together and have?" time to look at pictures and remember all the crazy mission trips and the crazy things we did well, as those a, college kids that babysat me and my siblings exactly <laughs> lots of them. been that lots long of, lots of them created all kinds of mental damages into your family and if i feel old then you should feel like very old ready yeah. to die in a few no, days that's exactly so. right. <laughs> but yeah we're looking forward to that reunion and uh, hope some hope a bunch of folks can attend that and just have a great connection we probably want to do that uh once a year uh, try to get back together with that group and see if we can get more people to come in that are out of town that can't come this time. So that'd be great. Really good networking opportunity as well. Yeah, and p- I'll tell you the the passion behind that for me, um, as we're kind of winding out our time here. The passion behind the Oasis deal is I've watched a handful of people through social media, through Facebook. Um, when I get a chance to just kind of glean off of there, I've watched some of those young people fade away from their faith and fall away from church and whether they've been wounded by a church or just disconnect from God. I'm not sure all the individual stories. I just watch it happen and it bothers me to death. Mm. I cannot stand Mm. the idea of not enduring to the end. And I want to bring a challenge to that group um, that were like my children for so many years. I was like a, uh, hopefully like a spiritual dad to them. I want to bring a challenge to them that says, Hang in there. Don't give up. Find some people that are hanging in there with you, and there's hope, and there's joy in the pain, and there's peace in the suffering, and and there's a way for God to help you if you'll call out to him. And if he's not helping you, he wants somebody around you that's his child to help you, and you're just not connected. A lot of those families, a lot of people get disconnected from the body of Christ, and that hurts them. So Definitely. All right. Well, I have to ask you before we close out kind of – how um, being in the ministry of church revitalization and all of this work you're doing with 614, um, how has that kind of helped you as the pastor of a small church like Northside? Well, Northside's in, in a revitalization program itself. We have a big piece of property, right? a really old, big building <laughs> yep. that's in need of tons of repair, and we've just had to figure out how to trust God and see God do. And speaking of revitalization, we just recently... Did a bunch of repairs to our sanctuary uh, outdoor, <laughs> and we revitalized our sanctuary, yep. pulled up our pews, and mm-hmm. put in some tables and chairs. And um, and so we're we're actually trying very hard to to keep this building afloat and use it as ministry base for the neighborhood that it sits in. 
Uh, but we're having to think through all the things that these other churches are thinking through, and we're having to find a way to revitalize what we have. And God's having to lead our elders. There's four elders, including myself, and and we have to pray a lot and seek God and trust God, and we've got to take some steps. And some of those are comfortable, some are not. Some people today didn't like our tables. They prefer just chairs in right. the sanctuary, and we put tables and chairs because we're trying to actually – close the room up a little bit, bring it closer, and make it feel a little more family. Mm-hmm. And so eventually, if we can grow, the tables have to go away. Yep. So I told them this morning, if, you, <laughs> if you'll bring enough guests, I'll get rid of the tables. <laughs> Be happy so, to get rid of yeah. the tables. But, uh, yeah, I've had to learn a lot about revitalization just because of the, where Northside is. And then the, the heart I have for that has also helped me help Northside. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Dad, so much for your time. And We hope that you have all enjoyed listening to this first episode of Rescuing Churches and getting to know a little bit more about 614 Ministries. And you can still check us out online at 614ministries.org. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 614rebuild.